Today's scripture reading will be from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Our teaching today focuses on verse 18, and I'll be reading the entire section. Um, In our Pew Bibles, this is on page 948. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Justin. I'm a new elder here and glad to share a little message today. We pretty much covered a lot of material in that scripture, so I mean, I don't even have to say much, but I I do have a little bit to add. So let's open in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this Sunday. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. Uh, Thank you for the rain, helping us in a time of drought, uh, physically and spiritually. And um, we pray for uh, all those joining us online, too, that um, we can all fellowship together soon. And uh, pray you just speak through this message. And um, we thank you for this opportunity to just be here, to hear your word in this beautiful place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so yeah, we covered a, a large context in that scripture reading, but I wanted to focus in on, um, on the, the part about peace. And um, I basically feel like there's a problem facing us as Christians, as a society, as a nation right now. Um, and then there's a challenge for us as Christians and I also want to share why it matters and how to rise to that challenge. I think it's an understatement to say there's a lot going on right now in our society, in the world, uh, whether it's politics, war, just social issues, technology issues, just a lot going on. We all have strong thoughts and feelings and emotions about all these issues, and I think the recent years have become very polarizing. Our nation is I think you could say divided. I don't want to overstate, but um, we have issues. <laughs> um, so this can result in walls between family, friends, coworkers, protesters. <laughs> there are protesters, and then we also have uh, just a stress. I think people are carrying. With, it might not even be related. Like you, you might feel stressed about this one issue, then it carries into how you interact with others. So I wanted to try to address that. Uh, there's lack of peace, even inside the church. So the challenge is from the scripture today, 
um, Paul's exhortation to the church in Rome. Um, basically, he was giving an overview about Christian conduct through chapters 12 to 15. He's instructing the church to live with righteousness, humility, love for others, civic-mindedness, and charity. So the, the verse in particular is Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. He's challenging us to strive for a lifestyle peace, to live uh, in our utmost capacity, 100% striving for peace. There seems to be a caveat also that we can only control our side. I think that's where it says, as far as it depends on you. So we're not obligated to try to control how other people act, but we can control how we act. The Greek word for peaceably is irenio, and the definition is to make peace, to cultivate or keep peace, harmony, to be at peace, to live in peace. Um, and then the root word is, is peace alone, not to live peaceably, but just peace. It's irene. It's a state of national tranquility, peace between individuals, harmony, being of one accord, security, safety, prosperity, even can refer to the Messiah's peace and the way that leads to peace, which is salvation. Uh, and an inspiring quote that I heard, I'm not sure if it's from Ronald Reagan or Nelson Mandela, I got both results on Google, but <laughs> it is that peace is not the absence of conflict, it is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. I think that's a good challenge for us. So I think Paul was not talking about service level, comfort kind of peace where you're just avoiding confrontation. He was talking about that deep kind of peace that sometimes takes hard work, intentional cultivation, maybe even confrontation. Uh, so then the next part of this message, why living peaceably is important. First, uh, it's our testimony as Christ's followers. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be distressed or lacking in courage. This is Jesus telling his disciples he's leaving, and he doesn't say, my strength I leave with you, or my love, or my faith, or anything. He chooses the word peace. I think that's a huge testimony to how important peace is. Second point on why living peaceably is important, we are indebted to pay it forward. I look at the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. Um, don't need to read the whole thing, but if anyone hasn't heard it, it's basically a servant owns a huge amount of debt. I think it was maybe like a year's worth of labor to his master. He gets down on his knees, he pleads to be forgiven, and the master forgives him. He lets his debt go free, totally blank, wiped out. And then, he's, then he goes and then sees his fellow servant, and he owns him like a hundred, like a small fraction of what he had just been forgiven of. And he, he, he puts his hand on his neck, and he's choking him, saying, give me my money. And, uh, and then his peers see him and be like, dude, you just got forgiven so much, and you're being so so harsh with your, your fellow servants. So then the, the master comes and says, you're not paying forward what I just did for you. So he puts him in jail. And Jesus shares about this just to, I think, point out how we have received that forgiveness. We've received mercy. We are 
account before God of sin has been wiped clean, but also he's also poured out all the fruits of the Spirit upon us, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You know, there's nine of them. There's a song about it. And uh, <laughs> he's poured all those things out, including peace. So I think that means we are obligated to pour that forward among our peers. Uh, we have received so much, therefore let us issue peace to others in the way we act, in the way we live. The, so the implication is basically don't be stingy with, with what God has given us. Another point of urgency for living peaceably is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, we, we just need to turn the tide of a lack of peace in our communities today. I think we all play a role in changing the discourse and um, not participating in, in the hateful things happening or the things that are div- divisive. So here are a couple verses on the, on the negative side of what not to do. Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Does that sound familiar to some people today? (laughs) I'm not trying to bash anyone, but I mean, I think it is a common thing that people are just wanting to speak their opinion, not wanting to to understand and really get to the root of the issue. It's more just your sound clip of, of what you think, especially I think maybe with like celebrities or politicians, um, other verse is Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And James 3:8, but no human being can subdue the tongue; it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial not hypocritical, and the fruit that consists of righteousness is planted in peace among those who make peace. So my takeaway from these few verses was that we are to be wise, not foolish, and the way we use our words impacts others greatly, and we need wisdom from above and righteousness, including taming the tongue, and that requires peace. My fourth point on why it's urgent, it's um, from a lecture I heard at UC Berkeley when I was a student. An uh, author named D.A. Carson came and just gave like a one-hour lecture on the topic called The Intolerance of Tolerance. And uh, basically, he, he went way back. He went to like, I think, the Renaissance and um, Reformation, and he just looked at how um, there's a change between the traditional definition of tolerance and now the modern version. Basically, in the past, we had a situation where society would defend the rights of those who hold different beliefs. Even if they don't agree, the concept of, I guess, freedom of speech and ability to, to have a, a dialogue, to have a debate, was a very high value in society. But now he looks at current society and how tolerance now is a notion that all beliefs are equally valid and correct and that we are to be egalitarian with ideas, that all ideas are equal. I think he even says that that concept is incoherent. And I think it just results, the outcome of that is relative truth. We don't have any absolute truth. I think that's a problem. 
Basically, today we hear where people say it's wrong to say someone is wrong, but it's okay to say someone is wrong if they're saying someone is wrong. It's kind of circular. It's a circular kind of logic. Um, so Carson advocated the term egalitarian with people, but elitist with ideas. I think it's, that's a little provocative. We don't want to say we're elitist, but we do want to be egalitarian with people. All people are equal, worthy of respect, love, compassion. Um, but then he says, not all ideas are equal. They're all up for examination respectfully. That's, I think that's what's lacking today. He says, civil, rational debate makes us wiser. It increases our understanding uh, societally. So I think putting that to practice would solve a lot of the issues, a lot of the contentious things we hear in media and even among peers or family even. If we could have civil, rational debate, I think peace would be a lot closer. So then I guess the big part of this message is the application. I have a list uh, of some tips that I found in my struggle and uh, efforts to, to live peaceably. James 1.19 basically says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, I think a good summary is to actively listen. Uh, we should be able to, when we're talking to people, to repeat what they said, to hear it, receive it, and say, um, let me reflect what I, what I think you're saying. It's very simple, but I think um, myself included, we struggle with that sometimes. If it's an online exchange, which, which is not a thing we've probably dealt with in recent history, but now it's very common, is uh, to make sure you read everything <laughs> when you're exchanging words with people. Uh, make sure you can receive and summarize their point before typing your response. It's similar to active listening, but it's actually it's like through text. I've had text fights before, I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I've had emails that like, when I read the email, like my heart starts beating faster. Uh, I get, I feel fight or flight sometimes, depending on what, what's, what I'm reading. It's not common, thankfully. But um, there is power in words, and there is uh, the obligation to main, maintain peace even online. Let's see, what else? I raise my hand, how many people else have had online email fights or, or text fights? Is that a common thing? All right, yep, yep. So, so I, I just felt like this is very timely, James 1.19, including uh, listening and slow to speak online. I think what's helped when I've had these issues sometimes is to, to reset and think about what's the point. Like, um, I have some old church friends that we would have like kind of like theological debates or um, kind of online fights on like a Facebook post about something and like I disagree and blah, blah, blah. And we'll go, we'll go on and on and it can get kind of messy. But I think when you sit down and, and think to yourself, what is my motive? Am I trying to crush my opponent? Am I trying to push my point and make his point look invalid? Am I trying to humiliate him? Or, or am I being defensive? Am I zooming in on a certain word that he said that I don't like and I'm trying to, to, to remove that from my record? Um, so there's a lot of self-examination in, in that. Second point is Proverbs 18:19. A brother who is offended is harder to be won than a strong city. 
and corals are like bars of a citadel. So um, related to just yeah, how we respond, how we interact with people, we have to make sure we don't offend them. Uh, one way that, that happens commonly with me is um, sometimes I will cut people off. I think it's, it's very tempting when, you're, when you feel passionately about something. Sometimes it's out of just being excited and wanting to, to like finish the sentence. But um, be careful not to do that if you're trying to jump to your rebuttal to what they're saying. But if you do, try to catch yourself and apologize. <laughs> um, hopefully the person who you were talking to and cut off didn't forget what they were going to say. Hopefully they're gracious and can continue even though you interrupted them. Um, so third point, uh, Matthew 7, 1 to 2, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For by the standard you judge, you will be judged, and the measure you use will be the measure you receive. Also, this is the passage that goes into um, taking the plank out of your eye so you can help your brother, uh, like not looking at the speck in their eye while you have a plank in your eye. The whole point of that passage, I think, is to self-examine, take that plank out so you can see clearly to help your brother. I think it's not saying that we are not to judge at all, that we are not to um, engage in a discussion, but it's that if we are, if we are trying to point something out to someone, make sure we are qualified, make sure we have the right motive and make sure we've addressed that issue in our own lives. And another extension of that is uh, not judging unfairly, basically, not condemning. And the application for this talk is not to fall into the habit of lumping people into groups for which you have generalized assumptions or which you disregard as irrational or crazy or just not worth discussion. I wouldn't want someone to do that to me, basically, and I think that's why we shouldn't do it to others. I think it is very common, though, with, with just how we have partisan politics. We have um, local pride. We have uh, Bay Area way of thinking and all these things. We have many reasons to like group people and generalize, but if we do that too casually, too haphazardly, it kind of kills the dialogue. It puts up a wall, and that's not what we want. We need to be compassionate versus condescending. I think that is a great summary of not getting into that tribe mentality. And I had some book recommendations that kind of helped me with this concept. There is a book called How We Love by Jan and Kay Yurkovich. They are Christian marriage and family therapists. Basically, their book is a summary of uh, hundreds of couples they've seen, and they can group people into different types of, uh, I don't know, they have like a vacillator, they have a people pleaser, and there's three others. Basically, looking at how people grew up, their background, their whole life, how it shapes how they act today, so that you can see them from a lens of, of compassion instead of just saying, oh, you're annoying. It's like, oh, you have this issue and it's probably be because of this. So now I can understand and identify. Fourth point on how we can live peaceably, check yourself, examine your heart. Matthew 12, 33, 
Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. More verses, 34 through 37. Offspring of vipers, how are you able to say anything good since you are evil? For the mouth speaks from what fills the heart. The good person brings good things out of his good treasury, and the evil person brings evil things out of his evil treasury. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every worthless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I like the King James Version. It says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if you feel hostility towards somebody for any reason, at any point, there's maybe an issue with your heart. Instead of love, peace, joy, all the fruits of the Spirit, spilling out of your heart, there, there's something else. And that's where you need to check yourself. Point five is Proverbs 13:20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. This was a memory verse from a long time ago when I was a child. I don't know why it stuck out to me but, so much, but um, basically keep good company. Your friends have a large influence on your life. And don't join groups that bash others. <laughs> That's related to number three, just staying outside of that tribe mindset. Being around open-minded, good listeners, people that know how to reach across the aisle, who can um, engage in civil, rational debate. I think those would be the best people to be around. People that can be challenged and say, I accept that you disagree, let's talk about why. This is also related to, I guess, kind of the, the dialogues with my friends online. I think we all know, we all very much value scripture and we all have different thoughts and opinions. Um, we can be passionately debating about one point, but in the end we know that we all submit to the authority of Scripture. We all love God and we love His people. So that's why I have those few friends are still um, close to me. Be careful what you click as well. Uh, not only is it walking with wise, but um, I would say clicking with wise, <laughs> wise, wise links. <laughs> Um, the internet has evolved. I think there are algorithms that amplify content and there was a documentary called, I think, Social Dilemma on Netflix and it kind of talked about how internet now is, is designed to like, oh, you're interested in this and then it just floods you with whatever, X, Y, Z. And imagine if you had a thought that was to group some people into a group you didn't like. You're just going to get flooded with media that kind of amplifies that hostility. So also be careful what you click. Okay, and then the final uh, application verse is Proverbs 4, 5 to 8. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not abandon her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all your possessions, acquire understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. When we sincerely seek wisdom and understanding of others, there's no room for hostility. Uh, having this attitude naturally results in peaceful interactions. It'll help us get to the root of why we have a different perspective, and we can respect each other regardless. 
it leaves no room for hostility and no room for foolishness in, in that verse I mentioned earlier about only wanting to speak your own opinion. It's the opposite of Proverbs 18.2. I think it fosters being egalitarian with people, being able to think that everyone is worthy of being understood and uh, worthy of having a discussion with, promotes being egalitarian with people. Uh, you may find that the root of your disagreement is something you haven't considered or vice versa. The other person might find something they haven't considered. Even if you disagree, at least you know what's at the core of why you're different. Uh, and hopefully the person felt loved and respected throughout the discussion. Maybe a seed of the gospel could be planted that way. If you could talk to someone that you are radically opposed to, but still respect them and show them love and, and seek understanding, I think that is a good Christian testimony. Uh, understanding allows you to pray specifically for this person and their current perspective. So now, um, as a congregation, I think we all have some material to think about, and I would like to ask you guys to pray now with uh, groups of three to five. Just turn around to people around you, and uh, we'll have five minutes to just pray about how we can live peaceably with all among these contentious times. Think about someone you radically disagree with, uh, someone you had a lack of peace with, uh, someone you need to, to build peace with. Just for the self-application, like I shared, there's, there's lack of peace inside Regen sometimes. I've had a moment where I needed to not wait for the apology. I needed to go and seek that 100% unity again. So let's pray right now.
All right, let's close off our prayer time. I'll close this with prayer. Lord, thank you just again for the opportunity to learn from your word, the freedom to, to study it, to gather together as a church, as a community, and um, to examine ourselves, to work on ourselves, to be more like you, Lord. We pray that your spirit will transform us uh, more and more every day as we seek you, Lord, and strengthen us, Lord. Give us courage. Give us boldness to actively seek after peace with all, to um, confront issues that prevent peace, and to be loving through all of that. And Lord, also we pray uh, for this time of communion that you will um, just purify our hearts, Lord, uh, cleanse us as we learned, as we saw in that parable, like um, wipe our slates clean, Lord, as we remember what you did for us. Amen. So now we uh, have a time of communion. We should have uh, little communion cups. If you haven't received one, just raise your hand and Steph will give you one. In 1 Corinthians 11, we hear from Christ and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink of it in remembrance of me. Every time you eat of this bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.